to my Spotify listeners. I know it's been a little while since I have recorded. Um, my last episode was in October, almost like six months ago. So I am not offended in the least if people have kind of stopped listening. Um, but today I wanted to kind of re-record um, or record, start recording again because I feel like this topic is just too important to ignore. Um, so today I am very happy to have on my best friend uh, of 14 years, Christina Fai, who um, is a mental health advocate and she has dealt with a lot of stuff herself and she can really be a voice to other people. Um, so for me, I mean, I kind of stopped recording just because one, I got busy and two, I was... I feel like with this pandemic, I mean, we've all been going through so many things and I just wasn't feeling up to it. Like I, some days were okay. Some days I just felt like, why am I doing this? But I feel like this subject of mental health is just way too important to ignore. And so many times, so many people tell themselves I'm doing perfectly fine. Even myself, I'm like, I'm feeling okay. But then when you think about the past 13 months and what that has done to somebody's psyche, I mean, you really start to analyze just how significant of an event the coronavirus pandemic is. And I know for myself, 13 months ago, I was so excited about my wedding that was happening in six months and I was working as normal and then boom, like everything dropped like a bomb basically. And it was like, Hey, um, everyone that you work with, they're all losing their job. And then, you know, you all are just going to have to start fresh somewhere else or, and at the time, I mean, there was so much uncertainty about how long is this going to last? How long are we going to be out of work? And none of us in this world have been through the pandemic before. The closest thing that we could gauge it to is the 1918 pandemic. And none of us were around for that. So this is all collectively our first time dealing with this type of trauma. And I had a conversation with one of my friends like six months ago who actually works in mental health. And he said, I haven't even started to process this yet. And I feel like that is so important to say, because a lot of us feel like, you know, of course, it's so sad about everyone who's lost a loved one and got infected. But I feel like overall, you know, this can be a start of a conversation of saying like, it's okay not to be okay. And I was just looking up some statistics about what has actually happened during coronavirus. And as of late June of last year, it's reported that 40% of US adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse. Now I know that there's a lot of individuals out there who struggled with mental health and substance abuse prior to COVID. So I can't even imagine how much that has either increased or just completely threw the person off track. So for instance, anxiety and depression symptoms have increased by 31%. They've either started or increased their substance abuse by 13%. Trauma and stress-related disorder symptoms have increased by 26%. And 11% of people have seriously considered suicide as a result of the pandemic. So there have been, you know, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, can increased 
considerably. 40% um, of respondents report at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition, including symptoms of anxiety disorder or depressive disorder, symptoms of trauma and stress or related disorder, and there have been increased substance abuse to cope with the stress and emotions related to COVID-19. Um, that's a lot to unpack. And I know that most of us, like I said, haven't even begun to process it, but for those who are struggling with any type of mental health or substance abuse addiction, that I can't even start to process how hard that must be for those individuals who have to like who, who lost their job and who they have nothing going on and they feel isolated and they feel depressed. They feel alone. I mean, for me, I've dealt with trauma in my life be prior to COVID. So I have, I feel like a little bit of a head start on how to deal with something like this, which is, but for a lot of people, they've had no prior, um, you know, experience. And so this has hit them like, like, a bomb. Um, and so what I do is, um, I actually follow, um, people who have mental health struggles, not only my best friend, but there is a superstar in the world. Her name is Demi Lovato. And I, the way that she speaks just speaks to me so much. Um, I, I didn't know who she was previously, but the more she opens up about her own mental health, she had an overdose in 2018 and she almost died. And she's been so vocal about her struggles with mental health and drug addiction. And I wanted to play, uh, this was just her experience during the pandemic. So I wanted to play that for the audience to see, um, just so, you know, we're not alone in this and other people are really struggling. So here's a clip from her giving an interview regarding the pandemic. You released your brand new single, I Love You, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hits. What were those first few weeks like for you? A little confusing because I was so prepared to, you know, start my quote-unquote comeback, release music that I hadn't released in years, and talk about things that I wanted to talk about for so long. Um, and then it kind of came screeching to a halt, and um, I just adjusted. You know, I took the steps that I needed to to make sure that I was doing well mentally and just started adjusting my priorities that you have been so open and i know because of that so helpful about your struggle with depression and anxiety and mental illness and that those are the groups of people who are most at risk right now in these times and, and dealing with their illness and their diagnosis and feeling isolated how have you handled this pandemic with what you've been struggling with your entire life? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. For me, it's something that um, I, I think a lot of people are experiencing this for the first time in their life, yet this is something that I've dealt with for many years. Anxiety is something that's not new to me. I think it's just a matter of pulling out the tools that I learned um, over past experiences. Talkspace has so she is saying right then and there that, you know, these times have been really hard for her. And not only is her struggle with mental health and addiction just an everyday battle, but she was actually getting ready to restart everything from, you know, falling off from the, the overdose. So for her, it became just like really isolating, really depressing. 
And for myself, I mean, I, it's like a weird thing. Like, I feel like it didn't even happen, but it did. Like, I know the dates are going by and I know the months are going by, but it's just a weird thing. And I, my heart really goes out to people that really have deal with these mental health issues and these substance abuse issues on a daily basis. One of my friends, brothers who was actually like very close to my own brother, they just overdosed as well. And so, and then in the, in the news, um, DMX, he just died of an overdose. So these are like serious issues that we really need to be like paying more attention to. And why I love my best friend so much is that she is trying to make people aware right now about things that she is going through so that other people can be helped. Other people can be aware and that, you know, she struggles with this, with this every single day and she has medical conditions on top of it. And I'm just so proud of her because she really is speaking to her truth. And I, it just, it really makes me smile inside. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, this is going to be a little bit more of an informal interview than it would usually be because she's my best friend and we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, but I really think that this conversation could be very helpful to somebody out there who's struggling, someone who could really use, um, a, you know, just even a conversation. So we're going to, uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to come back with Christina and she's going to kind of run down her experiences and things that she's gone through. And I just, I just can't wait for this whole conversation to happen. So I am so excited. So on the other side of this break, we are going to be back with Christina and, um, I really can't wait. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Looking for a new blender to start your morning? Look no further than the mashup. It is an all-new voice-activated smart blender. It can read custom recipes out loud so users can prepare a smoothie or a sauce without the need to search for a recipe. The mashup also features numerous voice-activated blend speeds and settings, and it plays upbeat music to counter the roaring blending sound. So try the mashup today. It is a delicious beverage that will lift your mood. Okay, and we are back with Christina. How are you doing tonight? I am fabulous. How are you, Steph? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. So I know, you know, there's been a lot of conversation regarding mental health and just recently come up with Demi Lovato. And there's been some other people that have been struggling with addiction and, and other things during the pandemic. And I thought it would be really great to start this conversation with a quote that I really just frankly can't get out of my head. And it says, we live in a world where if you break your arm, everyone runs over to sign your cast. But if you tell people you're depressed, everyone runs the other way. We are so, so, so accepting of any body part breaking down other than our brains. And that's ignorance. That's pure ignorance. And that ignorance has created a world that doesn't understand depression and that doesn't understand mental health. And I just think that's such an important quote to start off the conversation. So um, for all the listeners who may not know, Christina is my best friend, my rock, my everything. Um, and I just wanted to kind of go over. So we started, um, we met in 2007, right? I think. And I think so, so, yeah. so the story goes is that I was very new to campus. I didn't know a soul. I knew one person from high school. I literally didn't know anyone. It was shell shock experience, to be honest. And I never was in a classroom of 200 people. And then 
lo and behold, I like walk into this classroom and I see this girl with a really cool backpack. And like, I'm always like scared to like approach people in groups. But anyway, so I approached her and we've literally been best friends ever since. Um, so thank God for that backpack, literally. Um, so yeah, I mean, you have just a fascinating journey um, in the past, you know, since 2007 and up to now, just everything you've been through and experienced. So I really wanted to take the time today to kind of walk through um, your mental health journey. Um, so can you kind of go over like maybe when it started, um, when you started experiencing, experiencing depression and, and how that was, uh, you know, what that was like? Yeah. Um, so I started to experience symptoms of depression and anxiety in 2008. Um, but I actually didn't know that until I was like looking back. So I got diagnosed around like 2010, 2011. And then looking back, I'm just like, oh my God, I get it now. Um, cause it, it messed with a lot of my thought processes and decision-making at the time. So that's kind of how I put the pieces together. And, um, so depression is usually triggered by a traumatic event, or it can also be um, a genetic issue. What I find so, so interesting is that you said you don't know what triggered it. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, I looked back at 2008 and a lot of stuff happened. I mean, you were there, but <laughs> a lot of things happened. So I have no idea. I can't pinpoint just like why. Well, at first they thought me. it was like maybe you're just a college kid experiencing, yeah. you know, tra not trauma, but you know, you just have that normal stress. And then, you know, so then when it became, when it was 2011 and you realized what was happening, what was that like, like that revelation? Um, uh, to be honest, it really sucked. Um, but I had a really good family doctor that helped me get diagnosed, you know, got me with the right therapist and um, a psychiatrist so I could get medications. And it was really hard because you're already going through a lot of mental stuff dealing with all the symptoms of depression. You know, like you're super irritable. You get upset easily. You either sleep too much or not enough. Um, you're tired. You're hopeless. I can go on and on and on. But I was like experiencing all, all of those things on top of having to try medications. And it was a lot of trial and error because you have to take them for like up to eight weeks to see if they work or not. So it was just a long process, um, and that sometimes made it worse, made it better. Um, it took me a few years, actually, before I was on a medication that helped the right way. Um, now, you mentioned um, you had issues with your physical health, so they thought you had a reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus. What is that for our listeners who might not yeah. know? So, like, around the same time, this is another reason they didn't diagnose me with depression right off the bat. I had mono in high school. A lot of us do mononucleosis. Um, it's actually created in your body by the Epstein-Barr virus. Um, and because I just kept getting physically ill over and over and over again, um, they diagnosed it as chronic. And they said that it can reactivate in your system and make you sick all over again. Um, so that's kind of what they kept diagnosing me as. Uh, we all learned later that that was a very wrong diagnosis. Right. And then it says through all. So then in 2011, or maybe this was much later, but throughout your entire journey, you got diagnosed with hypermobility spectrum disorder. I might not say this right. Ankylosing spondylitis. Yeah. Ankylosing spondylitis. Occipital, I think, and chronic migraine. Um, yeah. And 
You mentioned here that, um, so this was as recent as this year or last year before the pandemic, but you actually went to experience an experimental surgery um, in Texas. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, I was just in so much agony all the time, so much pain. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but the hypermobility spectrum disorder and the ankylosing spondylitis, it just creates a lot of issues with your like connective tissue, your bones, muscles, nerves. Um, and my nerves were just going crazy. So I was just in a lot of pain all the time. Um, and there is a surgical center in Dallas um, where they do a trial procedure to see if inserting leads into your head to kind of stimulate nerves would kind of help alleviate some pain. So I did have a trial surgery. Um, it actually didn't help me personally very much. It actually helps a lot of people though. Right. You um, said like it, you, it didn't really do much because they wanted you to drop or they wanted you to do that with the medication. Right. And you were like, um, the whole yeah. point is to not take medication. Yeah. I take a lot of medication, whether it's pills or injections, uh, you name it, I take it. Um, and it sucks because it actually legitimately is keeping me alive. So it's like, I don't have a choice. Um, so I wanted to get off the pain meds because I'm like, well, that's one thing that maybe I don't necessarily need all the time, but I couldn't, if I had to do that with the pain meds, um, to me, it was just like pointless. I'm not going to have like a super invasive surgery. So the part that I'm really kind of stuck on right here is it says, I was also in a lot of physical pain and discomfort from 2011 to 2020. That's a long yeah. time to be in pain before you even know yeah. how to handle and it. it it made my depression like so much worse um, because you, when you hurt and you're uncomfortable all the time, you don't think right. Like your thought process is completely gone. Yeah. Can you go into some of the thoughts that you said? Um, like you said you would get mad at people or can you go into more into like what happened with the thought process before all that? Yeah. Um, so for some reason, my thought process is totally shift, shifted. I learned later that that is actually like what happens through um, a lot of these issues, whether it's depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD. Um, it actually kind of reroutes your brain and how you think. Um, so you kind of have to train your mind to think a little more clearly, think a little more positively, because a lot of what was going on was like, I don't know why I thought like everybody was against me. Um, you know, I thought like I can't do certain jobs because I'm not good enough. And, you know, the higher ups are going to think I'm useless. Um, and so and thoughts like, are very going, powerful things. I mean, people don't realize oh God, yeah. the, the space between your ears is like the most powerful thing. And like, you know, mm -hmm. like your rational thoughts versus your irrational thoughts. And, do you have like a specific example of maybe a time where you had an irrational thought and then you realize like, wait, that this is, I have to seek help. So I can't think back like that far. I just keep thinking about how I kept switching jobs and moving to different places. Um, because I would think, you know, living here and doing this job really sucks. If I moved somewhere else and did a different job, it wouldn't be so bad. So I'm, I'm illogically thinking that what's happening right now sucks. And I am supposedly logically thinking that if I tried to change it, it would get better. Um, 
but that is not the case. Now, uh, also, this is another piece to the puzzle in 2011. So it was kind of a big turning point. I mean, you got a stellar job out of college. You were working, you had your own apartment, you were um, by yourself. And I think, you know, and then just the stress of the job, and then you were in a toxic relationship that all kind of, I think, made it come to a head uh, in 2011. Um, and so that that pro may have contributed. But maybe if you want to go into more about that exact time period and when you realize like something I, I need, I need like something's like wrong here. Yeah. Um, so this happens quite frequently to people. So I don't want anybody to be like, oh, my gosh. And also trigger warning um, for anybody listening. I was having serious suicidal thoughts, like seriously. Wow. I would, it was to the point where um, I'm just like, if I have to keep doing this job, if I have to keep living here where I don't want to live, um, I'm just, I'm not going to make it. And I kept thinking like, where can I go? Where can I run to? And I'm just like, Christina, you can't run anywhere. There's like only one way to end this. You know, so wow. like once I realized how intense that was and how illogical it was, and I'm like, wow, where is my reasoning? Like, why is my brain not helping me work through this? And I'm just like, I, to be honest, I walked away from it all. I'm just like, I walked away from the job. I moved. Um, if I didn't have my dog with me, <laughs> um, I was so grateful I had my dog with me. That's so um, important, I, the support. I mean, not only yeah. is it a family member, but it's also support. And I feel like in that exact situation, you were on your own. You didn't have yeah. your direct family around you. That was really important. Yeah. I mean, the family I had near me was, like, super supportive, but I never wanted to reach out because another thing is, like, I just kept feeling like a burden to everybody, which I know is not true, and I hope everybody else knows that, too. Nobody's a burden to anybody. Um, right. Everybody, everybody needs help in what, some way, and everybody can help in some way. Um, it, the whole thing was I just needed to kind of blow up my whole life so that I could just start over and try to figure out how to live a good life. You know what you just said right there. That's so important. You had to blow up your life to start over to re yeah. I mean, can you imagine the amount of people that never take that step? Like, do you think about like what would have happened if you would have just kept the wheel going, you know what I mean? And didn't. Yeah. So I, I've seen, um, like a particular family member be in a job that they absolutely hated, but they felt obligated to stay in it for the money. And they figured, well, I've been doing it this long. May as well just stay. And they live a miserable life. Um, they suffer from mental health issues that they won't address. And every day they go to this job, it, it just beats them down. And I'm like, I can't live like that. Um, Right. I worked exactly. so hard in college to get that job, the job I had. And I mean, um, I had that job offer by the end of junior year, you know, so I was like, so excited. I worked so hard and I got it. And then to just give it up so suddenly was really hard. Yeah. And you know what? Just as an outside observation person here, observer, I mean, I, I, I admire you for many, many, many reasons. But I think one of the first things I admired about you was you're just this innate ability to just be so personal, so charismatic. Like when you're around you, people just feel like you're in control. So 
that's the perception that somebody has. Like, I remember you told me this story about how you had an interview for, I think it was Gaylord um, Hotel. And you, these, these were your exact words. You said, I went there at 8 a.m. and I nailed it. And that's, that's like, that's the ambition that I recognize from day one. And I think that a lot of people, they kind of in their brain think, well, this is who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be that girl that, or that woman that gets it at 8 a.m. and goes in and, you know, gets the job. And then I feel like once you were in it, you realize maybe that, like, I can't keep up with what people think I'm supposed to do versus what is going on in my brain. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, that's actually a perfect way to say it. And thank you for being so freaking sweet. Your compliments are lovely. Um, <laughs> it's Anytime. true that you're, you're trying to be yourself and you're trying to succeed in what you want to do, but then you have other people, um, whether it's your parents, uh, professors, whoever, um, it's significant others, um, they kind of influence you in ways that you don't really think so then you start going directions that maybe weren't meant for you but what they wanted for you um and that gets really hard too because i look back and wonder if that's what i was doing but being in a toxic relationship at the same time i just kind of like blew up everything to start over i think that had more to do with why i couldn't rationalize because i think that was just controlling everything at the time right and also i mean support from a partner on, you know, it, it then one being able to understand your depression, because I feel like in that exact situation, um, that was a pretty hard roadblock of just saying like, like, it was kind of like the thing of like, Oh, you'll get over it. Like, this isn't going to be long. Yeah. This is going to be like a six, like a six month thing. And what people don't understand about depression is, you know, my husband actually, said this to me perfectly. And I didn't understand it until he put it like this. And he said, depression is like being at the bottom of the ocean and you can't get up. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what, that's what now that he said that I'm like, it blew my mind open because I'm like, yeah. so you it's, you know, so anyway, I mean, being in a toxic relationship, I mean, most people yeah. are just so scared to leave because again, it's, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to go and marry this person and be with yeah. this job. And I feel like, you know, you started to kind of realize throughout the journey, like this is not going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our differing opinions weren't working out. Um, you know, we were long distance. We both have the same job, okay, which is like 24-7. Um, it's super hard. Um, plus, you know, our attitudes towards each other was just awful. Um, and I'm just like, you know what? When I blew up everything, I was like, yeah, I'm going to blow that up too. Like, <laughs> Right. You're like, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. A little bit. And yeah. I got a text message and it said, well, first of all, 2011 was a terrible year for a lot of reasons. It was one of the worst yeah. years of my life. But I think me and you kind of always bond over just how terrible it was for both of us. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, I got a text and it said, like, I quit my job. And I swear to God, my first response was that was the most courageous thing I've ever seen somebody do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, my God, how could you do that? You know, and I feel like 
that those kind of moments are when you know you have like a real friend as opposed to like you know, because sometimes college can be a fake setting. Not that it's you do get real things out of it, but a lot of it is like based around the college and things like that. So I think when you start to kind of show someone your real life, you know, and whether yeah. they're going to support you or not. And I was, you know, just really, I always wanted to support you. Um, and, you know, that that was a real turning point. And I remember you being a little nervous and apprehensive about going home because you weren't sure what you what was going to happen or when, when you got home, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, you were always so supportive. You still are. Um, I could say like, hey, I want to go like climb a mountain and you'd be like, all right, girl, go get it. <laughs> like, do you need some walking gear? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You need me to come with you? Um, <laughs> But it's true because I, I feel like that support is what I needed because my partner at the time was not giving me that. Just like the one thing you said, <laughs> he literally was like, what the hell is the matter with you? This is like a job that people would kill for and you're just giving it up. And I'm just like, mm, giving it up is probably the wrong term that I would use. And I was just like, you know what? I don't know if this is the right decision. I don't know if it's the wrong, if it's the wrong decision, but we're all about to find out, aren't we? Right. <laughs> but, so what happened uh, when you yeah. got home? Like, what were those first, like, uh, few months like? Miserable. Um, so I moved back in with my mom. That was fun. Uh, my mom and I do not see eye to eye on, like, living. <laughs> Neither does me so, and my mom at all. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that made it really rough, but you know I had I got to have my dog there with me. I had zero cash, by the way. My mom and my dad uh, were giving me money to pay my student loans. It was a huge disaster. Um, but you I, said that you felt guilt, and um, mm -hmm. but did you also work past that to be like I'm doing what's best for me? Because guilt is so rough on people. Yeah. It's so bad. Well, you know, I I've been in therapy and different kinds of therapy since about 2011 and at that time you know like I'm in therapy and they're kind of helping me work through it uh, but it was talk therapy which is not my favorite it's not actually that helpful for me personally um so that's one-on-one you know, -on -one with a therapist right yeah okay yeah and that's like what most people do um, right. that's kind of everybody's introduction to therapy which is good uh, but then, you know, they, they kind of teach you a little bit like of reflection and how to think differently because you're going to get these thoughts of guilt. Um, you're going to feel like a burden. You're going to feel like you're worthless and you kind of have to, um, flip them, you know, like I'm not worthless. That's my brain lying to me. Right. Because I have a I, different I, purpose now. I'm doing something else. Yeah. I'm on a, you know, the way I think about it, I, that gets me down too. And I, I say to myself, you're on your own path and your own journey and your time will shine. But in yeah. that situation, you know, I can only imagine what it did to your brain because here you are, you just had this, like, again, like a stellar job and like, you know, you fought really hard to get it and you earned it. And then, you know, you're, and then like, you know, six months later, you're home and you're back. It was almost like where, you know, the, like you didn't go to, not that you didn't go to college, but like, yeah. it was like, not like the complete opposite of what somebody would expect to happen. So, I mean, I'm again, like really proud of you for just saying like, I'm going to start anew and like, 
So what, what were those early days like when you kind of worked past like the initial reaction and you just realized this is how I'm going to do things now? Yeah. Um, I really just had to be bold. I really just had to be like, you know what, this is how it is. I might not like it, but we're freaking doing it. You know, just a lot of radical acceptance. Um, and you know, I went from that awesome career to waiting tables. That's humbling. Literally making, what is it, like 283 an hour or something, and then you just kind of live off your tips. And I'm telling you, uh, it's not a lot, (laughs) but I would wait tables for the rest of my life rather than have like the career I used to have. Right. And then I remember they were saying to you that there was talk about like, putting you in management training and you just, and I remember you saying to me, I'm not doing that. Like there, I don't care. And that, that's what I was saying before is that, you know, you just have this innate charismatic ability to kind of take control in a very good way to where people feel like they can rely on you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just feel like at that exact moment you had, it was like a fork in the road. You had a, a path to go, back to that life that you just came from or continue on the life you're going. And that's so stressful when you're talking about student loans, you're talking about bills, you know, that's not an easy decision for people to make at all. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, And it, it made me mad a little bit because I'm trying to overcome that feeling of guilt, feeling like a burden, relying on all these people constantly just to get by. Um, and it made me so upset and I had a lot of resentment for a while. Um, I don't think that the people that I was relying on, you know, like aside from you and our friends, um, I don't think they took it the right way. I don't think people understood what I was actually going through. I think people were kind of miffed like, Oh God, why do you need money again? like I'm sorry that like you know um Sally Mae won't get off my back like right right um, and and I that made me it made me so upset um you know there were times when I would like overhear phone conversations about myself you know and I would like and then you just felt um, like 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 it it brings back all the 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 initial feelings of like you know of guilt just like you know I I shouldn't be like asking, but then it's, you know, again, it's like humbling and, um, that, you know, so then, so go into more. So you were hearing phone conversations and then what were your like um, thoughts? You know, that kind of accentuates the feeling that you already have that you're worthless and that people think you're worthless and that feeling of guilt, um, it's so hard to hear other people say stuff like that and confirm it when you thought they were helping. Right. I I mean, that's, that's gotta be rough. And you know, Christina, we have just so much more to talk about. Um, I honestly could talk to you for 24 hours a day, but um, we're on the other side of this uh, commercial, we are going to come back and we're going to go more into some of the things you were diagnosed with and some healing tips and, um, So stick around and we will be right back with Christina. Dream Stream Machine Washable Mopping Pads offers an alternative, environmentally friendly cleansing product 
to the disposable wipes and floor mops commonly used by busy families today. The reusable floor mop pads appeal to the young adult who wants a clean house without the added carbon footprint of disposables and the added expense of refills. Um, so try the product today and you won't be disappointed. Okay, and we are back with Christina. So um, prior on the other side of the break uh, before we, um, the first segment there, we were talking about um, just kind of like your journey um, and then, you know, things that you were diagnosed with. Now, the hardest part of the journey um, you said was because there's a stigma surrounding clinical depression, general anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and PTSD, many people think that they're not symptoms of like these problems. They're just, you're just stressed. You're just tired. Um, so can you go into more? Is there one particular thing that you've been diagnosed with that you feel like it runs more of than the other? Like, how would you, if it was a pie, how would you describe it? Yeah. Oh, I, like my PTSD symptoms are ridiculous. Um, they are the freaking worst. Um, and they cause me to, you know, have episodes of like panic disorder. Like, so PTSD, it's, um, just to go um, through it, it says vivid flashbacks. So, uh, yeah. so like if you've ever had a traumatic experience, sometimes you can just be sitting there minding your own business and then you get this, you, it's like almost like you're back in that situation. Like you can see it in the day and, um, you know, it just takes, it takes your whole body with you. So you're feeling all those feelings all over again. Um, it says intrusive thoughts or images, nightmares, yeah. intense distress at real or symbolic reminders of trauma. What is maybe some a symbolic reminder or like maybe something you see on TV so like, or? Um, there, I actually had, had um, a playlist from a time where like um, from the toxic relationship I was in that we previously discussed um, and it like started playing um on my computer while I was like sitting there minding my own business and it just immediately spun me um so like things like that if you like let's say you have a keychain related to it if you saw it it would bring up the memories people too uh I for, for a while um I stayed inside all the time because I didn't want to run into certain people right you were telling me that specifically people specifically related to the trauma like recent recent trauma um i don't want to see them i don't want to run into them uh because i don't think i can not have a panic attack. well also because people might not know this but you live in a small town so it's not like yeah. it's a city where you can just go to all these different grocery stores i mean it is the grocery store yeah yeah i kind of so i was keeping a lot of this stuff when things got really bad, I was keeping it all to myself, but that was right when the pandemic hit. So I actually got really excited. This is terrible. And I apologize to everybody. <laughs> I think we that. all sort of got a little excited that we don't have to leave our house just a little bit. Well, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I got excited because I'm like, everybody's going to think I'm home because of the pandemic. People aren't going to realize that like, I'm terrified to leave my house. So I'm like, this totally works out but that was also when all the suicidal thoughts came back 
and resentment oh god like I had such bad resentment towards like my parents you know I was having a lot of um suicidal thoughts um now when this was happening the you said the suicidal thoughts you you kept them to yourself you didn't want to let people know yeah and like I kind of brought up to my husband the resentment I felt uh because you know, because I was so sick all the time and in pain all the time, and I was diagnosed with you know, the hypermobility spectrum disorder and the ankylosing spondylitis, those two things cause everything else that's wrong with me, which is a lot. Right. Um, I was so resentment of my parents because they're genetic, you know? Um, right. You couldn't, you could never like, you know, it's not like, it's not like you ate something that caused it. You know what I mean? Right. You're like, I'm, I, I, you're like, I'm pretty sure I've thought of that, you know? Right, and right. It's ridiculous. You know, you don't always know that you're passing on um, genetic disorders. I mean, how could you? Um, and I, I did though. Like, I just lost it, and I, I was just having such. Now, do you think that was like, like a combination of all the, well, all the symptoms? Because I'm reading like panic disorder, um, feelings of impending doom, which I feel like we all literally feel right now to be honest um you know shortness of breath um sweating trembling shaking heart palpitations um and then you know feeling easily fatigued restless wound up on edge i mean as you're saying you know these are the things that you were you know when you had like the thoughts and then you had that conversation with your mom um it kind of seems like all of these things are working constantly at you. And it's like any yeah. one of them could come yeah. out at any time, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and it sucks so bad because sometimes panic attacks spring on you. Like you think you're handling the situation well and you're brain takes in a completely different way and it just triggers your body into you know um the dizziness and the shortness of breath and shaking sweating and the worst part is is all of that's visible to other people they can see you having a panic attack people don't always understand that that's what's happening people panic freak out don't know what to do makes everything a thousand times worse but that is why like coping techniques um breathing techniques grounding techniques um all of those things are so important to know and understand because your brain is trying to pull you under you know 
Um, just how you said earlier, you're stuck at the bottom of the ocean. You can't get out. That's where your brain is taking you during a panic attack, and you have to bring it back out. Um, and that's so hard. It is so hard. But now, like, for your symptoms, it says, like, you know, you experience every single one of them, difficulty concentrating, irritability, et cetera. Um, and what I what I'm looking at find interesting is that this it says that you're you have trouble sleeping without medication and I that is true for a lot of people um can you go into a little bit more about like what happens like in the middle of the night because I feel like that's what causes so many problems like everyone's worst nightmare comes true at 4 a.m come on yes yeah no for sure and that was exactly what was happening I was having nightmares but then there were times when I couldn't sleep at all and it wasn't until I was awake for 36 hours straight where I was just like, you have to freaking be kidding me. Um, and it didn't matter if I took over the counter sleep aids, um, you know, if I had like um, a sleep schedule and I was like having a sleep hygiene schedule at night where I was doing everything the right way so that I could relax and, you know, meditation and, and stretches. <laughs> Um, and nothing would help me sleep because my mind was constantly going constant thoughts. So the 36 hours, what, what was, I, I've done that as a, as a teenager, it's intense. You're up all yeah. night and, and then the daylight comes and you're still up. Like, yeah. how did your body react to that? Was it like you, your body was like telling you to please sleep, but was it like your brain was just like doing whatever it felt like? Don't worry, there's a side effect of racism, Christina. Don't worry. Roseanne told us all about <laughs> Are they just like, like sleeping agents? Like what? So then you got put on Ambien and then this was, so walk us through the, the actual diagnosis, because I know the journey was, you know, 2011 was like kind of like the turning point. And then you had, um, your jaw dislocated, which then was actually a part of the hypermobility disorder, but then you had surgery on your wrist. And then what was that first experience like when you finally got diagnosed and you just were like, oh my Lord, this makes sense? So, I mean, it was, it was super comforting at first. And I was like, thank God, you know, this has been like almost a 13 year journey at that point. Um, but then I was like, oh my God, like these are terrible conditions to have. So the hypermobility spectrum disorder 
disorder is a connective tissue disorder. So tendons, ligaments, um, anywhere in your, your joints, um, your organs, your skin, none of that works properly. Um, so I was constantly having joint dislocations. My jaw was the freaking worst. It still is. Um, and then it messes with your nerves and your organs don't work properly. Um, and then if you're like me, your organs really don't work properly. And sometimes they just knock you flat out unconscious. Um, <laughs> Which actually did happen. Yeah, that yeah. was that was in that was in 2018. So to set the scene for everyone, you you were at home, right? And then you just yeah. what happened? Like you just then you passed out. I, And I got a text, you were like, I'm in the hospital. And I'm like, what? Yeah, oh, that was the worst. But I'm like, I only ended up in the ER once this year so far, so that's good. But that was, so the passing out was a result of one of the disorders? Yeah, so because my connective tissue doesn't work properly, it affects my organs. My organs don't work properly. And sometimes some of them experience paralysis. Um, which I did not understand at the time, but I have, you know, gastroparesis, which is um, just a frequent paralyzation of your stomach, but the rest of my digestive system also becomes paralyzed, or part of it's paralyzed while the, the rest of it's working, um, and it just causes your body to freak out, and that's actually what happened. So then, that was in 2018, and then... 2019 there was another traumatic event you were separated um from an employer um and then you know that that was that was traumatic because you know i think it was the type of thing where you know you went to work you tried and it just again was fighting against you and then you know you you try to do go about it you know like the legal way and say like i'm gonna have my paperwork at hand um what was that like when you realized like i i'm not able to work anymore what was that like so like i think you explained it perfectly about like um, what was happening at the time so i knew i knew since about 2018 that i was going downhill and i didn't know how much longer my brain was going to function because i got pulled into you know um being disorganized and not being able to concentrate on anything and being hyper fixated on stuff that I shouldn't be hyper fixated on so I couldn't concentrate on the important stuff. And I knew it. Like, I knew it. I had a super intense job. Um, I gave it my all for as long as I could, but I knew it was all going downhill super fast. Um, the thing that made it traumatic was I was trying to find a good way to leave. Um, I actually... That day, I actually got approved for short-term disability um, because my joints kept dislocating and I was having a hard time going up and down steps. My job required it. I couldn't do it. But instead of me just trying to go on leave um, and trying to work through it, 
actually what had happened was like a plan was put into place to like strategically and unfairly like remove me from my job. Um, and they made it sound like, oh, but don't worry. Like, if you want a job, we'll have one. And Stephanie, I'm not an idiot. There was no other job. So that would leave me with nothing. Right. Now, mind you, like, I already knew my illness was taking over. I, I was already on short-term disability of that day. Um, and I was just going to move forward, try my best um, outside of the company. I didn't need someone to, like, tell me that. But it was the way that they went about it um you know i i never thought that this was possible because i always was like that's something that happens on movies it's not right where where people like make up lies about you and like put fake records in your personnel file to make it look like you've been screwing up and we've been talking to you about it all this time and you never fixed your bad habits and stephanie nobody ever talked to me i feel like i should point that out um so there were a lot of um dishonesty involved and I was like wow like I wish you would have just let me go you're like wow this is going to a whole yeah, nother level I wish, yeah and I told them I said wow I wish you would have just let me go instead of like uh defamation of character but it's been way cooler um but yeah and that that's what made it traumatic I don't care about quitting it off I don't care about getting fired from a job um I was going through enough as it was I had enough crap to worry about. That was the last thing on my mind. But I'm like, you didn't have to make up stuff. Right. Rid of me. So then I this all happened. So then in, so that was 2019, which feels like yeah. 10 years ago, to be honest. And then 2020, of course, was a disaster for a million and a half reasons. Um, which, you know, to be honest with you, looking back, it was almost a blessing that that happened to you in 2019, because God knows what would have happened in 2020 if like, you know, you weren't, if, if there was not precautions being taken and just your condition and things. So I, in a way, if you could look back and be like, well, maybe it was just the timing was just right, you know? Um, And coincidentally enough, so like, yeah, you went to Texas in February and you were telling me nobody's wearing a mask at all. And you know, with, with COVID, I mean, a lot of people are experiencing trauma for the first time, yeah. you know, where you really don't know what's going to happen next. And Demi Lovato said something that I just feel like hit the nail on the head for me and so many people. She's like, I was always dealing with trauma. Like this is nothing new to me. And I just feel like I watched as other people that I know have I mean, I don't know. They've never had a, a traumatic experience, but it, they look like a deer in a headlight to me. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, so you've never, you know, and uh, 
not that it's like a badge of honor, but like, you know, you have to know how to deal with this stuff. You know what I mean? And yeah, I get it. It's unpredictable, whatever. But I feel like me and you have kind of like a heads up on other people just because, you know, with your conditions and then things that personally happened to myself, we were, you know, when you go through things, you know, with like different like medication and not knowing how you're going to react, not knowing what's going to happen next, not knowing, you know, what, what's going to happen with the job. Um, I just feel like, you know, a lot of things have changed since March of 2020, but you know, like you said, I feel like it was a blessing that, you know, you were able to be in your house so much and, um, you know, being in Texas, that, that was in February. And and when you got home, did you feel like, you know, Hey, um, like, I don't know if I'll try another experimental treatment. Cause I know the one thing, particularly you said that your insurance company was just ready to sign you up. They couldn't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, okay. I needed like a $5,000 MRI like that January and they denied it. They're like, no, but then that trial procedure was $400,000. They approved it and paid it. And then they're like, if you want the permanent implant, it's $700,000. They will pay that too. I'm like, but I can't get an MRI. You're like, what? Yeah, healthcare was really hard. Well, the one of the things I love that you put up was um, like your explanation of benefits. Just so you like, so people can see like, this is my situation right now. Like you're, you're upset because you had blood work done. I'm, this is me. <laughs> like, And I, I just love it because I feel like you're just so open about the things you've gone through. Um, And so, I mean, we certainly have more to talk about. Um, So, but you know, you really are very open with um, the people on your social media, just about things you've gone through. And I know that you have a support group uh, for some of your um, situ or, you know, the conditions. Can you go into a little bit more detail regarding the um, support groups that you found online? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I work with um, an app. It was, it used to be called um, Cindio Health and now they're called Better Days. I actually got to participate in their beta program to help get it up and running. And I got to meet a lot of people that suffered just as greatly as I did. And it just makes you feel so good that you're not alone. But also um, giving and receiving advice is actually how I got diagnosed properly. So that's what I do. Um, I give people as much information as I have um, to see if it would help them in any way. Uh, A lot of the time, your doctors do not know. And that is the truth. And you need to bring up. Could it be this? Could it be that? But you also need good understanding doctors on your side. You know, I went through a lot of them. Um, And, you know, hypermobility spectrum disorder wasn't even a thing in the United States until about 2017. Everybody just ignored it. Until 2017. Yes. Which was four years ago. Yes. But Penn State jumped up all over this. And um, the woman who runs the, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's, she runs whatever it is in the UK for hypermobility spectrum disorder and hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. They hired her and now she works for Penn State 
So she's bringing all of her information to the United States with a huge university. And I think she's really going to. You know what? You could be like, you could go, you know, to Penn State, maybe speak to like, help contribute to the research and things like that's extremely important. You're very close by that. You could just, yeah. you know, be of use to them. You know what I mean? Well, I, hey, hey, if anybody needs a guinea pig, I think I've proven I will do just about anything. So now, so in October of 2020, a lot was happening around the world and at home. Um, and so through all the treatments that you saw it, you kind of realize that you needed more intensive treatment. Um, so on the other side of this break, um, we're going to talk about the rehab um, experience that you had, and then we're going to go into just some um, coping techniques. So just stick around. We'll be right back. Here's the reason I go for long walks and the reason I take Sunday afternoon naps. He's the highlight of my morning before work and the source of my excitement in the evenings. He loves me unconditionally. Of course, I'm talking about my beloved pup. For all that and more, I feed my dog natural special menu, all natural dog food. With no artificial colors or flavors, I know that I'm taking care of him as well as he takes care of me. So try the food today and it is sold in department stores across North America. Okay, so in October of 2020, obviously, a lot of things were happening in, around the world. Um, we had a huge election coming up, but you actually decided to seek more intensive treatment and go to a rehab facility. I believe it was near Lancaster. I could be wrong. Um, it's actually right outside of Harris. Actually, it's really, it's right. It's pretty much York. Let's just call it that. Gotcha. Pretty much York. So what was yeah. the facility and what, what was your experience there? Well, I don't, should I name the facility? You don't have to. I, don't, I just don't want anybody else to get like. Totally. Um, outed. <laughs> um, but it was a really great facility. And, um, to be honest with you, waking up somewhere that wasn't my house for 30 days straight was actually therapy just in itself. Uh, but I got to experience a lot of group therapy, which is super magical. If anybody ever thought they, they were scared of it or didn't want to do it, I highly recommend it. And through that, I learned, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, those two types of therapies, I think, are what, honest to God, saved my life because I was so used to one-on-one -on -one talk therapy that was just useless to me, and I never really understood why. I'm like, why do people go to therapy? It doesn't do anything. I feel <laughs> the same way, the sort right of. Kind. Um, so those types of therapies really focus on, you know, mindfulness. Um, it helps you realize, you know, cognitive distortions. It, it draw, draws your mind away from the negativity and teaches you how to make it positive. And they both introduce coping skills that are just awesome. So um, you said it brings your emotional mind and your reasonable mind together to begin to think logically. It yeah. is a technique called wise mind. And what is this technique? So I loved this technique. It is the simplest thing on earth. And, you know, you have to think um, 
on your emotion mind. Um, so while I was there, my dog is old, okay? And while I was there, I just kept getting this anxiety, like, oh my God, she's gonna pass away while I'm here, you know, and I'm not right. gonna be able to do anything about it. And that's also illogical. So like, that's my emotion mind. So I, you have to think of it as like, on one hand, you know, I'm thinking, this terrible thought that this is going to happen but then on the other hand in reality you know i have to accept the situation for what it is you know i i was there to better myself i had to stay i had to just take everything for what it was and then what my therapist says you take both of your hands you bring it together like you're praying and then you release it out into the universe <laughs> now what i love so much about you sent me a lot of letters and let me tell you as people, you know, we're best friends and being 30 days with no communication from your best friend, it feels like your arm got cut off, to be honest. Um, your husband was very nice and I was like down low kind of texting him on the side. It was more more like I really miss you guys, but also I, I know that he would appreciate the text right now. So um, but also you sent me these letters and they were just fabulous. And one of them, I don't have it in front of me, but one of them was this, um, one of my therapists looks like Alexis from Schitt's Creek. And I just she laughed did. so hard when I got it. Oh God. She was the best therapist I've ever had. She was super young. Um, bonus points for looking like, um, Alexis from Schitt's Creek. And she stayed in constant communication with my husband because we didn't we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, um, nothing of that sort. You were completely just cut off from the world. You weren't even allowed to call people regularly, and when you did, um, it was only for short periods of time. So that's what the letters were for. Um, but it was it was the best. But you know, I had um, her and I had a bunch of other therapists run group, and just I, I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. It was like day one, they were telling me things where I'm like, why has nobody ever explained so what are this some, to me? So what are some like, like maybe three big revelations that you got out of those 30 days? Um, so that is actually when I got officially diagnosed with PTSD, because uh, I didn't know that I had that. I, we were just focusing on depression, anxiety, and panic disorder. Um, another you know kind of revelation i had was like wow like i'm here by myself there's nobody here to help me um and for the longest time i thought i wasn't capable of doing anything alone and i was like look at me nailed it um <laughs> and you realize you can revelation. do more things on your own you know yeah yeah um you know, another revelation that I had was like, I have the ability to set boundaries with people. Um, I have the ability to take care of myself and treat myself with respect. And I have the ability to forgive people so that I can move forward and accept things. Um, and I was also able to start identifying like self-sabotaging behaviors that I didn't realize I was doing, but I self-sabotaged the crap out of myself sometimes. Um, so identifying that and working through it, um, that was huge for now me. Now this is, this is interesting. You said, now I know I can survive. I can live this life and fight like hell to work through the hurt, the struggles and the fear. That's yeah. profound. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, I thought, you know, my life was limited because I'm like, I'm never going to survive past all of this trauma. And it's like, I didn't know when, um, but I like, I kept feeling like I'm not going to survive this. 
Um, it was just such a strong feeling. And it got to the point where it was like, um, I could just think it and it was like a no concern to me. I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. So you could recognize um, the thoughts you were having and work past them. Yeah. Well, I mean, to a point, but what I was doing before I went to rehab was like, um, it was like those suicidal thoughts again. Um, and I was just like, well, whatever. I mean, one of these days, those thoughts are going to completely take over and I'm just going to do it, you know, um, right. which was terrible to think, but it happens to most of us who deal with this stuff. Right. Um, but once you understand how your mind works and, and you can overpower it, you know, those things are going to flash up in your mind every once in a while. But if you can overpower it with your positive thoughts and your rationality, you know, you can really work past them, like you said. Um, but I, I thought for sure, you know, I was just, I was okay with it at this point. I'm like, I'm not going to survive depression. But then when I got to there to, you know, rehab and therapy, um, and it was like 24, seven, 30 days, it, it was just completely life-changing. And I was like, Oh my God, like I know how to live. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that is like the greatest thing that you could ever get out of that. And, yeah. you know, just from your support system, I mean, you had me, you had your mom, you had your husband, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were all, I think we were all under the understanding, like this needs to happen. And, you know, yeah. um, like I said, the, the communication, it was, I don't, I was like, it made me realize I'm like, this is what my life would literally be without my best friend. And I fucking hate it. <laughs> but anyway, no, I digress. Um, so the, your most helpful tips, um, you say, keep yeah. a journal, engage in self-care, wise mind technique identifying your individual cognitive distortions, learn forgiveness, coping skills, boundaries, and preventing self-sabotaging behavior. Now let's talk about forgiveness for a second. So yeah. you said it is a learned behavior that most of us think yeah. we do, but we don't. Yeah. So and because you can bury things and think like, Oh, well, I buried it away. So like all is forgiven. And that's not really how it works. I like that you that's... said forgiveness is about you and not them. That is yeah. power. That is powerful because a lot of people hold on to resentment, including myself, people that have hurt me so badly. And I just want to like give it to them. Right. And I just want to tell them like you hurt me so bad. But, you know, my husband made a great point one time. He said, why are you letting people pay rent free in your head? Yeah. So I really think that the healing process is about you and not about them. And so what yeah. are some things you learned about forgiveness in particular that I think a lot of people could yeah. take away? So first of all, like one thing you said is like nail on the head, um, how it's like, why are you letting people live rent free in your mind? And that was something we brought up a lot. And we kept, you know, as the people suffering, we're like, we didn't invite them here they came right they decide to stick around and that's when your therapist is like that's why i'm here to help you evict the shit out of them <laughs> exactly so, um forgiveness is one of those things that i had a really hard time with because i didn't know how to do it correctly and there's a website called therapistaid.com and there's a ton of worksheets on there that you can print out and you know try to work on to better yourself and create better habits you're never too old for a worksheet um but it it explains forgiveness and it it tells you like there's four phases of forgiveness so there's the uncovering phase um 
so you're trying to improve your understanding of the situation the decision phase um, to gain a deeper understanding of what forgiveness is and to make the decision to choose or reject forgiveness wow the work phase um which it is i'm reading this off the paper by the way start to understand that the offender in a new way um start to understand them differently which will allow positive feelings toward the offender and yourself and then the deepening phase, which is the final phase of forgiveness, you will further decrease the negative emotions associated with the injustice. You may find meaning in the experiences and recognize ways in which you have grown as a result. Now, that's that's so profound. I mean, I just feel like if everyone would just learn forgiveness more, including myself, I mean, yeah. but yeah. that the, you know, there's like powerful emotions, resentment jealousy like resentment is very 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 powerful but i think the things yeah, you said huge. are just are you're they're really important and another tip was engaging in self-care so like going on a hike going to the gym um i know with covid of course that a lot of people like really flipped a lid over not being able to go to the gym but um learning a new language watching tv what are some things particularly to you that you just you love doing and it takes your mind. I mean, uh, right here it says watch funny videos. So is there like when you start to feel <laughs> yeah, no, a I certain do. way, do you like say, okay, I'm going to meditate now. I'm going to do yoga. Like what, what's your like process? So it depends on what's going on in my head. Like if I'm suffering from intrusive thoughts or I'm experiencing flashbacks, I definitely go to something meditative or something that I can hyper fixate on until I'm ready to, um, confront those thoughts and kind of turn turn a positive mind to it. So um, I'll just find a YouTube video or something that I can listen with headphones where, you know, you just sit and make sure your feet are on the floor, your hands are on the floor. You just want something to keep you legitimately grounded and just listen to a meditative um, a, a video or anything that um, they're, they're all over YouTube and they're all great. Those I mean, it are so calming. Right. And I think even too, with COVID, I mean, as someone who lost their job also, I don't have anything. Um, I don't have a lot to do every day. And, you know, the one thing that I've been doing is I've been watching old TV shows. So like step-by-steps, like my favorite, like 90 show. <laughs> it's so funny. I laugh yeah. out loud. It's, it's it hilarious. Is. And like that, that's because what I started to realize with COVID is it can't be COVID, 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 the numbers, the numbers, the numbers all the time. It has yes. to be, how about we have a COVID-free day? I don't find out what the numbers are. I go outside. Yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoy my life. I wear a mask and I come back. And I feel like, you know, that for so many people that are struggling so much, whether it's addiction, whether it's, you know, in Demi Lovato's case, eating addiction, she had also drug addiction. Yeah. But like, as I was saying in the beginning, very beginning of this episode is that the statistics are just up there. They even yeah. said like with children, you know, being doing the virtual learning, um, they're, they're even like now guiding children as to like how to cope when they start to feel upset. Um, and I know for myself, I mean, I have gone through the motions. I thought I had it. I got tested. I, I was shivering throughout the night. I, I, I. This happened to me last year, but I went, you know, out because I wanted to have a nice day out in the water 
and I was in the water with no mask on and there were a bunch of people around me and I came home and I literally had a real nightmare from that experience because I think it was my brain just saying, what the hell is wrong with you? And why did you do that? And sure. I then have to like pray that nothing happened from that. So uh-huh. your brain is just so powerful, but I really feel that like engaging in self self care, yeah, doing yoga. I mean, something that's been very powerful for me is just exercise, you know, going out uh-huh. whenever I start to feel that anxiousness, I go out, I breathe fresh air. I, I see people walking their dogs. I actually, I forgot to tell you, but there's a lot of people walking their Huskies lately. Um, so, and that, that helps, you know, um, but what would be your advice to people just feeling, I mean, to give you a very good example today, I had a conversation with a former colleague of mine and they, they put it like this. COVID took everything from me. They took my mom from me. They took my job from me. They took like, you know, I got in a huge fight with my sister from me and they took my pride. It took everything. So how, what are some things that maybe you can recommend for those for maybe just all of us? We're all just feeling so hopeless right now. Yeah. Dead serious when I say everybody has something going on with their mental health that needs um, help. Uh, you're never going to fix what happens with your mind, but you can make it better and gain more control over it. And you know, if you if you feel like you're suffering from um, any of those conditions, especially depression or uh, panic disorder, anxiety, the PTSD, that's all stuff. You know feel free to Google it. I know everybody's like, don't Google your symptoms. In this case, in this case, freaking Google it. Because if you feel like those are the symptoms you're suffering from, it is so important to reach out and see who can help you. And it's fine to even start with your um, family doctor to see if they can recommend you or if you have like a mental health facility nearby or therapists nearby. Um, they will all take you in and they will all help guide you. And if you ever think you are in over your head, you're not the only one. And then we, we were all in rehab together. So feel free. It was a lot better than what people think it is. Also, um, it wasn't just for mental health. You know, I was there with people struggling through drug and alcohol addiction. And just one thing I want to mention Shout out to all your sober friends. If you have friends that are sober and worked really hard to get there, don't forget to remind them how proud you are of them because they worked their ass off. I think that's so important. Like, you know, um, with Demi Lovato, they, this was in her documentary, but they said like, she made it past the 27 club. She turned 28 and they were all like celebrating that because they never thought she would get there. And, you know, I think also just having like that journal today, I accomplished a positive thing I witnessed was what was one thing that good that happened today. I mean, and I think that's important to keep in mind. It's important to keep in mind just that although humanity has showed up, showed us over the past 365 odd days, just how bad it can be. I think there's also good in the bad. And, um, you know, like one of my friends said to me, like, he hasn't even processed all of this yet. And I, I think of you when I hear that, because, you know, you telling saying that you got diagnosed finally in 2019 or 2017, 
Um, or no, maybe it was 20, either year wrong, but either way, there's a lot of diagnosis. Yeah. Like (laughs) you went through a nine year journey and, you know, saying like, I haven't even begun to process it yet. I feel like just now you're able to start unraveling all the pieces that are together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And speaking of Demi Lovato, she's like my favorite advocate for this. Um, cause she said, you know, working on your mental health is a full-time job. Your recovery is a full-time job. And she's absolutely right. It is. Um, and it takes everything out of you. And, you know, when I came home from rehab, I didn't just like go back into the world. Things were still tremendously hard for me. I ended up going into what's called an intensive outpatient program. And because of COVID, it's all online. And it was nine hours a week. Oh, yes. Yes. Tell us, tell us about the outpatient program. Like, how was that? It was amazing. Um, It was just another form of group therapy. It was online. Um, It was so helpful. It's just people helping people. And that's what makes it work. That's what makes it so awesome. And you start to look forward to it. But it is exhausting. By the time you're done with it, you've just put so much emotion, so much effort into it. Like, I I took a lot of naps, Um, but I did that for, oh my God, uh, four and a half months. I did that, which a lot of people are not in there that long. Um, (laughs) And now you're, you're, where are you at this exact moment? You are one day a week or? I'm with this same company that runs the group sessions, but I'm in a, what's called um, a general outpatient program. So it's just one day a week and it's just for an hour and it's awesome because a lot of people that graduated from the last program i was in are kind of all in there with me so we all know each other that's awesome Um, yeah and it's only one day a week so it's nice because then you spend the rest of those hours you used to spend in therapy you're trying to put the pieces back together um so it's it's actually really nice but i i also have an individual therapist so i'm in therapy a lot um people think that's super weird or they think like oh my god you know you must be like completely suicidal or whatever no i feel like you know i feel like now even with the pandemic i mean Mm -hmm. you know demi lovato and then you know you're an advocate like these things are super freaking important and everyone thinks that like our mental health like we're all okay you know i think the part that really clicks for me just to bring it all back to the pandemic is I feel like when I'm home, I'm like antsy to kind of get out there because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I like just watch TV or something. And then what really does it for me is the minute I have to put on that mask and the reminder yeah. of where we are. I mean, that it like depresses me. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh yeah. we're still not out of this, you know? But yeah. so I think with like therapy, that really helps. And, you know, I just, I really want to take the time to really thank you today because. I feel like a lot of people will sincerely appreciate this episode and, you know, we will certainly have you on the podcast again. Um, and if I could just end it, um, what is something that you hope to achieve in the next six to 12 months that you will be so proud of? I want to be able to have a regular gym schedule. (laughs) That's that exciting. Ridiculous, but that is actually very difficult for me to do. Um, and it's all because of my personal uh, cognitive distortions that I'm trying to get through. So that is what I want to accomplish. And you know what it is? It's just one step at a time. You don't worry yes. about getting to step Z. You worry about A, B, and yeah. C. 
So, but there's always tomorrow there, you know what, tomorrow is always a new day. And I do keep that in mind. And, you know, I just feel like, especially with COVID, it's just extremely important to keep in mind. But Christina, thank you so much for being on our show today. And uh, we will definitely uh, talk again very soon. Uh, thank, thank you, you to our listeners. Um, and um, we'll be right back and we'll close on the other side. Thank you so much to Christina for being on the podcast today. If you like what you heard, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, um, and until next time, thank you so much and have a great week, everyone.